Hey guys, welcome back to the Shooting the Shift podcast. We have a fun one today, talking about maybe the craziest non-tender deadline in baseball history. What'd you guys think of that? Yeah, there was a lot of guys that got non-tendered by teams that I really didn't expect. Um, a lot of big name guys are now free agents, just free to move about, and a bunch of guys that are exciting for the Phillies to potentially look at to get on cheap prove it deals for the next season or two um jeff i know there's one guy that you as soon as he was non-tendered you texted us and said the phillies have to have him and if you want to start talking about him a little bit and then we'll each kind of talk about some other guys that we think could benefit the phillies in the, the short and long term so let's start off with your guy jeff well the biggest one to me is a guy the phillies were interested in at the trade deadline last year and that's Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley is still pretty young. He's just going into his age 28 season and lit it up with the Reds when he was traded there. Has experience at the back of the bullpen, which is something we definitely need. Across seven and two-thirds innings, he posted a 1.17 ERA. Now, that's a really small sample size, obviously. Right. But... Archie Bradley's had a pretty solid career since moving from the rotation to the bullpen. Yeah, I think he was always one of those guys that was more of a fringe starter, but definitely a bullpen guy. Um, I, I mean, Archie Bradley, we haven't seen him have the success that he had in 2017. Obviously, he was electric in 2017, a, a 1.73 ERA over 73 innings. But he, like you said, Jeff, he's a guy that has back-of-the-bullpen experience, something that the Phillies desperately need. I don't think you're signing him to be your shutdown closer or anything, but I think you're signing him as a piece of a solid bullpen. And the fact that he was non-tendered kind of suggests that he's, he's not going to have that high of a price tag. Right. And he would kind of maintain our financial flexibility so that we can actually maybe go add that shutdown closer, add another bullpen arm or two to really solidify or at least not give us the worst bullpen of all time. Yeah, another bullpen arm that we talked about two weeks ago with guys like Brad Hand or Keone Kella. Um, I'd like, I like Archie Bradley. Uh, one of the relievers that is rather interesting to me that was non-tendered was Matt Whistler. He pitched in Minnesota this season, posted a 1.07 ERA over 25 and one-third innings. Um, he really has struggled throughout his career, hasn't really posted a good season like this, but uh, it's very uh, impressive to see a guy who has struggled do that in a shortened season where there's so much uncertainty surrounding baseball. Um, he's another guy that you could potentially take a flyer on. He's more of a boomer bust type than Archie Bradley, but I think you could get him on another cheap deal just to see what he's worth over a season. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if last season was the start of a breakout or if it really was just an anomaly in a short yeah. season. Either way, he should be very, very, very low cost because it's – it's one really good kind of half season 
right versus a bunch of <laughs> really bad yeah he hasn't really had career. any good seasons but he's another guy he's young he's 27 he'll be next season 28 same as Archie Bradley or a year younger than Archie Bradley and I think he's just the guy if you are looking to improve for cheap he's a guy that the Phillies I think should take a flyer on and just to see what he can do in the bullpen I mean it, it can't be worse than what we had trotting out of the bullpen last season oh another picture that shocked me was we talked a lot about the Miami Marlins yeah, and how they were carried by young pitchers. Mm. Now I don't see him as being as much of a fit for the Phillies, but I think some smart team, maybe like Tampa or something, comes up and scoops up Jose Urania. Yeah, the fact that we're seeing guys like Urania on this list is just very indicative of the way that Major League Baseball is acting this year. Guys like Urania and Carlos Rodon, who was a first-round pick for the White Sox not all that long ago. No. It's extreme cost-cutting, so it's, I feel yeah. like there's a tendency to think only the Phillies are doing that, but you're seeing other teams around the league do that. Yeah, there's definitely been some cost-cutting measures taken by a lot of teams in the major leagues right now, and it's... Like you said, there was a lot of shocking guys. And, Will, do you have any any guys that were non-tendered that you'd like the Phillies to go after on a potentially cheap contract? I mean, obviously, we, we talk about, about the bullpen all the time because the bullpen was just atrocious. Yeah, because that's what needs the most help. Yeah, I know. I don't disagree. Um, David Dahl from the Rockies intrigues me a little bit. Um, obviously, he's had a little bit of a – injury problem but I think that bat uh left-handed bat in the outfield who knows if we're gonna have Didi Gregorius back so I think another left-handed bat in this lineup maybe he starts on the bench but maybe we see him pop in a couple times but I think overall David Dahl would wouldn't be a bad pickup for the Phillies yeah and I think a lot of people might shy away from David Dahl looking at his stat line from 2020 he only batted 183 um, over 24 games, but that is not the type of hitter David Dahl is. Definitely um, not. He was an all-star with Colorado. Last season batted 302 over 100 games. He reminds home me, runs, 61 RBIs. He's He reminds me a lot of when Corey Dickerson was with the Phillies, to be honest. That's yeah, I, too. I think that's a very fair comparison with David Dahl. Um, he's obviously younger than Corey Dickerson, I think. Um, but David Dahl is certainly an interesting – and I'm not sure uh, – shame on me. I'm really not sure how his fielding stacks up to some of the other lefty bats that have been non-tendered. He's, he's a better fielder than some of the other lefty bats, but he's, he's not – still not a great fielder. Well, no, the, the main difference is he, he doesn't have as much pop as some of the, the bigger lefty bats. And right. I actually have a nice hot take for next season based okay. on these guys. Let's hear it. The steal of free agency is going to come from this group. The it's non-tendered free agents? Specifically three guys. David Dahl, Eddie Rosario, Kyle Schwarber. 
from that group, someone is going to get the steal of this offseason. I think that's a very – I don't think that's a hot take. I think it's a very good – I'm surprised that all three of those guys got non-tendered. I mean, Kyle Schwarber has, in the past couple seasons, had a, a little bit of an injury problem, but he was one of the key pieces that won that Chicago Cubs team the, their first World Series in 108 years. Um, he, the, all three of these guys, David Dahl, Kyle Schwarber, Eddie Rosario, I'd love – to have on the Phillies they all symbolize lefty pop I mean Eddie Rosario and Kyle Schwerber terrible fielders don't get me wrong they are not you don't expect the gold glove in in left field but the other the other problem is the other thing is are the Phillies so eager to move McCutcheon out of left field because that's where all of these guys play is left and I don't know if the Phillies are so eager to move McCutcheon yet I think our lineup is much better with McCutcheon leading off than anyone else we have in our lineup right now or anyone else we could potentially put in that situation. We saw it in 2019 when McCutcheon came to Philly. When he Our lineup was at its most dangerous was when he was in there. And the Phillies only started to fall apart when he had that terrible ACL injury that was I blame solely on the San Diego Padres. Um, that should have been an infield fly call. That was complete crap. But McCutcheon, I don't think the Phillies want to move McCutcheon out of the top of the lineup. And you can't play him in center field because he doesn't have the mobility he once had. And you certainly can't play him in right field because that's where Bryce Harper is. So a little taken. My, I'm, I'm a little concerned about their willingness to move uh, McCutcheon. But it also opens up the question of something the MLB needs to answer. Will there be a designated hitter in the National League next season? Because if there is an NLDH, I think either Eddie Rosario or Kyle Schwarber is the play to put them there. I mean, Eddie Rosario just kills the baseball. Batted two fifty seven with 13 home runs and 54 RBIs this year in Minnesota. And Kyle Schwerber, little lower average, 188. That kind of scares me a little bit, but again, not necessarily indicative of who Schwerber is, but 11 home runs and 36, or 11 home runs and how many RBIs? Schwerber's big thing is frequency of home runs. I saw a stat now. I don't have the exact stat, but it showed the uh, the at-bats per home run. And Schwarber was up there with some legitimate names. Yeah, I think he's it a, was home run every like fourteen-ish at bats or something. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber when he he's one of those guys when he makes contact with the ball, watch out. And I think what you were talking about with the the DH, I think that could cause these guys' markets not to develop super quickly. Right, because in my mind. There's only really a fit for like a clear fit for half the teams in baseball with these guys. And that's the half in the AL. Then you got to take out the ones that already have their DHs. Yeah. Like the Red Sox. They have JD Martinez. He's He's, not moving from DH. Right. So I think they're not, these guys won't want to make their move until they know for sure whether or not the other half of the league who already doesn't have DHs because they haven't had DH in the past 
once if they find out that there's one in the NL, then I think their market moves fast. And then there's a clear need for the Phillies too. Right. Another guy that got non-tendered. Um, I think this was the one I was most shocked by. I mean, he's a little on the older side, but had a great season. Adam Duvall got non-tendered in, uh, in Atlanta. And I mean, he'll be 32 next season, but he had a very good season in the outfield in that Atlanta lineup. Um, so this, you can see that teams, not just the Phillies, are looking to cut costs wherever they can as a result of the la- of last season. Um, he's a guy that I, I don't think the, he fits what the Phillies need. He's a righty 100%. bat, but um, I think he's going to be another guy that could group into that steals of the free agency. I would agree. It was kind of shocking to see the Braves move on from a productive bat in Duval, especially because the Braves haven't we'll touch on this soon but the Braves haven't been focused on cutting costs they've done their still done their typical yeah. move early in the offseason thing so uh that's those are some of probably the biggest non-tendered guys um I think we, we want to move on a little bit and talk as Jeff just indicated about some there have been some free agent contracts that have already been signed um, two specifically by the Atlanta Braves that look to be very good deals. Um, the first being Charlie Morton on a well, – he's getting like $16 million. Um, I think that's a very good signing for Atlanta. Charlie Morton's one of those guys. Obviously, when your team leans on you to pitch game seven of the ALCS to get you to the World Series – You've done something right over your career and adding Charlie Morton to an already dangerous Atlanta rotation just scares me to no end. Objectively speaking, not as a Phillies blogger and podcaster, (laughs) just as a fan of baseball. What a signing by the Braves. Yeah, it's a great signing, but. Oh my God, because they're going to be getting back Soroka. They have Freed and Anderson, and now they're adding a legitimate veteran who has closed out a World Series. Yeah, who has who's legitimate critical game experience. in playoffs, Game Sevens. <laughs> they're, they're adding him to that rotation. <sighs> it it gets it's a little oh scary for us. It's scary for us. It certainly isn't. Coupled with their their lineup, it's just I'm not looking forward to having to look. To see that Braves team, they already had the MVP, a guy, another guy who's going to compete for multiple MVPs yeah. with Acuna. Uh, if Freed can keep up his thing and Soroka can come back, multiple Cy Young competitors, the Braves, uh, it, it sucks to say, but they are leaps and bounds ahead of the Phillies in where they need to be going to compete for World Series year in, year out. I think that they're forcing the Phillies to make some decisions. I Yeah, they are. And the Phillies, John we Middleton doesn't seem prepared to make those decisions. We can't just sit around right now. We have to realistically look at where the Braves are at. They're obviously the top of this division. 
very clearly the top. Yep. And we have to decide if and what moves we can make to compete with the Braves. Because I think I think we were kind of close to competing with the Braves last year. I think that we would have won a lot more games if our bullpen was even was just it? bad. Yeah, I mean. Because we blew a tremendous amount of games and could have – and we're competing with the Braves right up until the last, like, two weeks of the season maybe. Right, and I feel like whenever the Phillies and the Braves play each other, it's always a, a, a close set of series. It's never yeah, I, one I team sweeps. We won the season series this year, I believe. I, I mean, I think we've won. I think we won last year's season series, two years ago season series. The Phillies always play well against the Braves. It's just the Braves play well against everyone else in the division, and the Phillies cannot, for the life of them, beat the Miami Marlins. And now the Marlins are actually getting good. Yeah, the Marlins are taking steps forward. So the Phillies are. At a very, this is a very important offseason for the Phillies. I don't think you can wait around. John Middleton can complain all he wants about the $145 million of profit he didn't make. If you say, we keep going back to it, if you say you're going to die bringing a championship back to Philadelphia, you have to throw that out the window. You're one of the richest owners in baseball. You have, you have to keep up with the teams in your division. You can't let everyone else start running and then you're like oh now we have to catch up that's not how it works and it just feels like that's all we've been doing is just trying to play catch up the philly the braves always make the first move and then the phillies historically seem to make reactionary moves the phillies are never the ones setting the pace setting the tone in the division it's always it always feels like we're reacting to what someone else does I mean, the fact that we're getting ready to go into the winter meetings, the biggest week in, in the off season, and we're still doing interviews to figure out who's going to head our baseball team. It's ridiculous. So we're going to have one guy at the winter meetings and then who's to say midway through, we hire someone different. We're going to hire someone else. (laughs) I, I, it, ma- it makes me incredibly angry that the Phillies have seemingly no direction. But let's get back to some of the other contracts that have been signed uh, this offseason already. Um, the other one in Atlanta that I liked is uh, Cliff Lee 2.0, Drew Smiley. See, I talked how I, I loved the, the Morton one. We both did. Mm-hmm. I'm going to disagree with you here. Really? I mean, I, I don't think, understand this I think one he's at getting all. a lot of money for the type of player he is, but I think he's – I'm not saying he's going to go into Atlanta and be this shutdown guy out of the bullpen or some stud in the rotation, but I think he's just another veteran presence that can kind of help the young guys in Atlanta along. I'm not sure he's really like good, though, and I think they have enough young starters – because I believe they still have a few prospects. I think they do too. And it just seemed like they could have waited on this one. And it doesn't make any sense, especially after you add Morton. And they over, I, I think it's an overpay for sure. Cause you're, it definitely is an overpay for Smiley. You're seeing the market. And the one, the only one that really sticks out to me is wow, that's probably way too much was. 
Smiley, and I just don't see him having an $11 million role. That's, that's my only thought on that. I I think they could have – it's a move they could have done without. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's only a one-year deal, so it can't – it's not going to kill the franchise. It's not going to hamstring them in any way. Oh, for um, if sure. It, if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. Uh, you just move on next season. And Drew Smiley, in the end, is just a forgotten thought in Atlanta. But if it works out and he helps – it works out and he helps. Um, the other, are there any other uh, contracts? I'm drawing a blank. Not in Atlanta, but another team we saw take oh, a Oh, yeah, a another NL East team take a step forward with a guy that a podcast-approved bullpen arm going off the board. Yep, Trevor May. Now, to the New York Mets of all teams. If I could share a little story about the uh, the Trevor May uh, inner not interview the the press conference yeah the introductory his introductory press conference yes so I will come out and say it I am roommates with a New York Mets fan that's I'm owning up to it I'm it's something so I'm working through I'm working sorry. through it but I informed him for you. I informed him of Trevor May being <laughs> former Philly and during the press conference I get a text saying wow Trevor May must have really liked his time with Philly because he's in his introductory New York Mets press conference and he's got like Philly's memorabilia and gear hanging in the back so you you know what that says to me if the Phillies would have made an offer that came even slightly close to what the Mets were giving him, he'd be wearing red and white pinstripes, and he wouldn't be playing for the New York Mets. Um, and that's just like, it, it again boggles my mind, a, a legitimate bullpen arm that could help the worst bullpen in the history of the MLB. He signed for two years Fourteen and a half, seventeen and a half million dollars, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I think it was like fifteen, seven point five a year. It's not that big of a. It's not that big of a contract for a guy that has been a proven bullpen arm. Why can't John Middleton pull the trigger? I don't think the Phillies would have had to pay as much as the Mets did, because obviously there he still has some sort of allegiance to the Philadelphia Phillies if he's going to potentially our biggest rivals' introductory press conference with Philly's memorabilia all over the place. It just, it blows my mind. And what's even worse is I was seeing over social media that Trevor May was asked and apparently about half the teams had checked in on him and we were not one of them. It, it makes me really question if John Middleton has watched plan. the same Phillies that we did last year. If he watched that bullpen come in and blow multiple seven-run leads over two, one or two innings, like it, make, it really makes me wonder what the hell he's doing to our franchise. There's no reason not to be in on anyone who's ever had success in a major league bullpen. Exactly. And it's $7.5 million a year for a, a, a Bullpen arm is not that bad of a deal. Didn't even pay that much more to your guy, Vinny V. 
that's I. Mm, mm. That's what doesn't make sense to me is you're letting guys like Trevor May go to the Mets at a very reasonable contract and you're crying poor. So, oh, I can't pay this. I'm, I'm losing $2 billion. <clears throat> oh, no, I'm losing $145 million, not $2 billion. And then Vince Velasquez, who we've been in a wait and see for years. If, it's, if we're ever going to see, it's not going to be in a Phillies uniform at this no, point. It's, he had it's pretty one, clear. He one. won't break out here. Yeah, there, there was the one start the one year. Yeah, where he had 16 strikeouts. He'll never get to that again. He's no, he's not. I think I think Vinny Velasquez, Vince Velasquez is more akin to an Archie Bradley where he could probably have more success consistently coming out of the bullpen, but the Phillies don't have that luxury where we we couldn't build a five-man rotation to save our lives. So we needed to have Vince Velasquez in there. I think he's better suited as a bullpen arm. I hope they use him like that this season. I don't want to see him taking the hill in the first inning of a game ever again. He's not a starting pitcher. It's problem is though is you're you're when you're crying poor and trying to cut costs and then you're signing he, him. It, I just I would love to sit down with John Middleton. And I don't even need to ask him what the plan is. I just need him to look me in the eyes and tell me honestly if there's a plan. It, it really seems like Do there you is have a no plan? plan. There's no – John Middleton is blank behind the eyes at this point. He the is, whole offseason has appeared this way from the fact that we went into it, okay, we got rid of the GM, but we're holding on to the president. But the president says – I'm going to be here a year max. And he hasn't even been good. No, Andy McPhail has been terrible. And now we're interviewing guys and it's reported they're interviewing for the GM job. And then it's actually, it's the president job. And we're close on one guy and then his name's out of the hat. And the whole off season, it's, if there's a plan, it doesn't make any sense. Or so here's the other thing. Maybe there is no plan. Very possible. Or maybe John Middleton has duped all of us and he has this master plan where he's telling people he's lost all this money and he's just give he's in private negotiating a contract with JT. He's bringing in a president of baseball ops. We're doing this. He's doing that. Maybe he's pulled the wool over our eyes. And maybe I'm just hopelessly optimistic, but it really seems like John Middleton has no freaking clue what he's doing. Man, I, I hope it's a negotiation tactic. And do I think Middleton is smart enough for that right now? No. No. Sadly, no. That would be incredibly big brain, cry poor, get him to sign for less. Get him on a team-friendly deal, but I, I'm, I that's don't. not John Middleton. That is not John Middleton. It's not. The whole way he got Bryce Harper was by being a family man. It was them just bonding over family. He's not, he's not that type of shrewd business. Man. We're talking about the same John Middleton that said he wanted to spend stupid money. He wanted to die bringing a title to Philadelphia. It, it blows my mind. At the same time, while I think John Middleton – won't be able to bring down JT's cost. 
there might be a certain criminal in New York that can. <laughs> I think oh. we've seen now, apparently Steve Cohen is moving in on James McCann to be his catcher, not JT. I mean, it's shock news. Um, every, I feel like every, everything you see from Twitter reports from Jeff Passan to athletic articles to even Phillies beat writers were saying it. Everything pointed to the likely outcome of JT Real Muta's free agency was him ending up with the Mets. And now uh, everyone's least favorite hedge fund fraud perpetrator, Stevie Cohen, is moving in on James McCann. There was rumors of a a four-year contract being thrown around. Um, I'd love for us not to have to compete with the Mets for JT Real Muto, but I also know at the same time it's just going to open up other teams to come and compete with us for our catcher. I think that the Mets presented the best chance that JT's price tag was just going to rise astronomically. Right. That's what I was afraid of. I was afraid that they were going to drastically overpay and make it so even I mean, at our best, we couldn't afford him. I was expecting the Mets. Like if the, I, in my opinion, if the Mets were going after JT, it was going to be upwards of 170. Like that was probably the base, the floor of his offer in New York. And that's just, I'm not comfortable giving him nearly that much money um i think we said it in the first or second show i'm comfortable giving jt like 115 120 stretch it to 125 maybe but i cannot see him getting more i don't think he should get more than that Um, but like you were saying stevie cohen could lower jt's price if james mccann doesn't get a huge deal i think if james mccann gets a huge deal jt's price goes up but if James For McCann sure. gets something like four years, $35, $40 million, that might actually lower JT's price a little bit. I would be shocked if the price tag is that low on McCann because I think he really has flashed the last two years. But if that is where it winds up being, and Cohen, because it would do two things. One, obviously, that brings the market price of catchers down right now. But two, it takes out the perceived largest bidder on yeah, it does. sweepstakes, which now I was with you. I was very afraid of what the number would look like. I do not see any way it gets to 170 or anything close to that without I, the New York I Mets mean, involved. Like, yeah, I was just thinking the Mets were just going to give them like $25, 30000000 million a year just to get them away yeah. from Philadelphia. Um, I mean, I $35, 40000000 million, yes, seems low for James McCann, but I can't see him getting – more than $60 million. Like, I think he's a, agree. That's a, a, ten that's to, a, a 10 to $15 million a year catcher. And I think JT's probably 15 to $20 million a year. Somewhere in that range. Um, but Paying JT $20 million would be fine by me. I think it does get stretched towards more towards 25 But I think the number I threw out earlier in the offseason – was the the five one twenty five similar? That was yeah, like that's... the the Howard deal. I think, I think we could see that number if the Mets are out on JT because it seems like they're pivoting towards getting McCann and going for maybe a Springer or a Bauer. 
I don't want them to get Bauer, but I think, but like we're saying, um, now that the potentially now that the perceived big bidder is out on JT, that opens up to other teams who think they can compete with the Phillies in a betting war. Um, I've seen a lot since the James McCann talks with the Mets have come out that the Blue Jays are looking at JT Real Muto, and they don't have. Correct me if I'm wrong but I can't go through their roster and think of a guy that's being paid a lot of money right now. They have a, I, I believe they have a low payroll. They have a they lot of young signed guys. Ryu, right? Yeah. He's probably their biggest contract. That's the only one I can think of that would be a little larger, but as still probably not that big. Correct. Uh, let's see. That would pulling up be a their... really good signing for the blue Jays. I mean, I'm, I, feel more confident that we could outbid the Blue Jays, though, than we could outbid the Mets. Oh, definitely. So, Hyunjin Ryu's contract is $20 million a year. After that, their next size is 12. They got guys, and then they don't have, outside of Hyunjin Ryu at 20 and Tanner Roark at 12, they don't have another guy in the double digits for salary. Because they still have a lot of guys on their they they have a roster built with young guys. So they're a team that could potentially spend, but like you were saying, I do feel comfortable that the Phillies could outbet or outbid the Blue Jays. But that's not saying like there are other teams that could potentially come in oh, of course, and yeah. bet with bid on JT Real Muta, which would I, I think that kind of scares me. The more teams that get involved, the higher JT's price is gonna be. Um and I don't I think the Blue Jays obviously could use a catcher. Um, there are a couple other teams that could potentially make a play on JT, but I really hope that with the Mets out of the picture, we can get them on a, a little bit of a more team-friendly deal. The interesting thing to me, though, is the way you always, always, always see the market play out is the top guy is always the first to move. Right, the top and guy at the sets- position. So what's just an interesting idea I'm throwing out there is what if McCann and his representatives are finding that the catcher market isn't as populated as people are making it seem. And they really see it as if we want to get paid, we have to beat JT to the Mets. I think that's, that's a potentially a fair assessment of the catcher market because it's really two big name two guys in the catcher market that are going to get paid and it's jt and james mccann um but in the past we've always seen the the james mccann wait for jt JT. to make his move and then then the market's set yeah there's only really only a couple instances where we haven't seen the top guy go first and i think the most recent one that everyone thinks of is Bryce Harper, where he waited to sign till March, but I that one was different because it was uh, it was Harper and and Manny, yeah, and I kind of trying to wait each other out. So that it was only them, but you still even saw guys have were trying to wait out to see what what they would do. Like that's why I think um that Mustakis didn't get. The, the deal he thought he would get that year. Right. That's when he just did a one year, I'm pretty sure. Mm. 
So, I mean, it, it could very well be that James McCann thinks that his best and his representatives think their best chance of getting paid the big bucks are to beat JT to the Mets because, let's be honest, we joked that Stevie Cohen may or may not have made all of his money or the large majority of his money through illegal activities. But the matter of the fact is he's the richest owner in the MLB and can afford to pay these guys. So um, I think by going after McCann, getting a, a, a lower deal than what they would have had to give, in, give JT, he's, they're definitely preparing to go after another big-name free agent. Um, and you say George Springer. It could be a Jackie Bradley Jr. It could be Trevor Bauer. It just could be any of the top guys that are still out there. And that's kind of another area that concerns me is John Middleton doesn't want to spend the money on JT. Um, but I think you kind of have to. Yeah, ultimately, these guys aren't going to care whether the money comes from being a honest family man, businessman, owning a cigar company. Yeah. Or, or if, if you're a blatant criminal that doesn't care about being honest or anything, they're, they're just going to make their money because they've worked hard for it. I mean, some guys like Steve Cohen don't need to work as hard. They can just kind of be criminals. Yeah, well, but, but I think otherwise... To, to wrap that up, it's kind of, let's just say it's the first time in my life that I'm ever rooting for the Mets to, to sign a good player at a huge position of need for them. Yeah. James McCann. I, I am also admitting that I'm rooting for the Mets to sign James McCann. Uh, so let's move on to I, I, our last like, kind of grouping of things we want to talk about is some of the rumors that have been circulating around the Phillies. And I know, Jeff, you were watching MLB the Network the other day, and you heard something very interesting about Aaron Nola, and you wanted to talk about that. So I believe it was Joel Sherman, yeah, who was saying that part of the reason that this the hiring for the president role could be, because there's questions that these, these candidates have to ask the Phillies too. And he threw out that, honestly, maybe – the only way for us to take a step forward, a true step forward would be to take a step back. And his idea was moving Aaron Nola. Now I would, I would very much prefer to avoid that. I would hate that if they moved Aaron Nola. The, you're I you're mean, getting unless... rid of our true legitimate ace. Unless the Phillies have that much faith in Zach Wheeler and Spencer Howard. Unless you're getting back surefire prospects that are a half a step away from the MLB, right. like and multiple of those not like price just, tag teams wouldn't pay. Right. It's not just surefire. You want top of the farm system prospects that are the going guys to that be don't ready. get traded. Yes. Or at least that's what I would want for Aaron Nola is top of I the line agree. prospects that are going to be ready within the next half a season or, re or full season. Um, but I think it's interesting that Joel Sherman says the obviously the executives that are being interviewed have to ask John Middleton questions. And I, I honestly think that the question that is being asked of John Middleton is what is your plan moving forward? I would agree. We've talked a lot about that. It's the, the plan seems unclear. And I think it was even more thrown in to the fact that now another 
Philly that the Blue Jays were interested in is Gene Segura. Right. And that also, I mean, is the plan to field a competitive team? Because right now, if, if right now we don't have Didi Gregorius or JT Real Muto on the team, and now if we move Gene Segura, what's left of the offense? You don't have Reese Hoskins to start the season. It's, no, you don't. It's going to be the Bryson Bohm show. So I think, I, I think, I'm not going to say Gene is a guy that is untouchable, but I think, I don't think you can move him till the trade deadline if, uh, you, if there's really interest from teams in him because I think you have to see how Bryson Stott uh, kind of develops over the next half season. I'm not sure he's ready to start the season in the majors, but I think um, if the Phillies do end up trading Gene Segura at the deadline or earlier than the deadline, um, I think it could be an indication that they believe in Bryson Stott and that he's ready to start playing soon. But that's the only I, thing that makes I have sense to agree. To I have to agree with you. You can't get rid of him in the off season. But then Especially you also if run. We don't have an offense right now. But, like. Yes, you offense don't have an off- offense, but if you are um, intending on trading Gene Segura and he has a terrible start to the season, that wrecks any potential value. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But I am not in favor of trading Gene Segura at the winter meetings before the season starts. Um, I think you have to hold on to him because, you, as you were just saying, we don't have – an offense right now, we only have Bryce Harper and Alec Bohm. Scott Kingery has shown that he is inconsistent at best. We don't have JT. We don't have a lefty bat in a lefty power bat in DD. Do we sign someone like Eddie Rosario or Kyle Schwarber? Maybe, but that doesn't Probably really not. If the if the mere fourteen point five million that were apparently unwilling to pay Segura for this year to keep some continuity and yeah. keep like, some type of offense around. If that's too much, it's, it seems I'm just, I'm confused as to if all of a sudden we've gone from spending half a billion dollars on free agents in the last two years to a rebuild. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen, people on social media asking, is it a rebuild or is it a retool? And I, I, I can't answer that question. I think if you lose certain guys, if you lose JT, if you lose DD, if you trade Gene Segura, it's not a retool. It is, we are now rebuilding again. And I, 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 I can't take that. Um, the Phillies, the fact of the matter is the Phillies need to hold on to Gene Segura. They are not going to get anything from Tampa Bay or uh, Toronto that really makes me excited. They're not going to give up any of their young guys. They're not going to give up uh, a Bobachette, a Vladdy, uh, a Lourdes Goriel. They're just not going to. And I, I, I just can't be excited about trading away Gene Segura for a couple prospects from the Blue Jays farm system. I've no, I know I've had farm system takes come back to bite me before, but I, I just – I can't – like a proven major league talent. Gene Segura has great bat-to-ball skills. He's not a power hitter, but he gets the job done. 
I, there's, you can't replace that with a prospect right now. The Blue Jays farm system is very top-heavy. And I'm not sure that Gene Segura is worth anyone at the top of their farm system. That's not even saying the, the Bichettes or the Vladdies. That's talking the, the I think, Groshans and the, um, the, their first rounder this past year from Vanderbilt, Austin right. Martin. Yeah. He's not worth those guys. And so you're, you're going to be getting guys that are either, if they're closer to the major leagues, they won't have the impact that Gene Segura has, or you're going to be getting guys who maybe could have that impact, but are three, four years away at best. So it seems if you trade him to, to a Toronto, that's a rebuild. And yeah, we're I mean, be heading into a rebuild with a, a huge, huge payroll. And with, as, as recent as last off season, showing that we wanted to, to spend and win. Spend to win. And you're also going into a rebuild with Joe Girardi as your manager, a guy who presumably you brought in to help the Phillies win the NL East, make it into the playoffs. He's a manager with incredible playoff experience. He's won a World Series against the Phillies when we were at when we had one of the most successful stretches of baseball in recent history. I mean, you, John Middleton can't be thinking that he wants to go into a rebuild right now. It's, it's insane. If he, if this perceived losses that he has, which it's, it's ridiculous. It it wasn't, it's not like John Middleton's bank account dropped by 2 billion or 145 million. I I never know how he came up with that $2 billion because it's widely reported made it up in the entire MLB only all I say only, but in terms of John Middleton's number, the MLB lost $3 billion. How did the Phillies lose $2 billion, John? It's really all other articles seem to point that they just didn't earn 140 to 145 million dollars in revenue. And they still have their TV contracts. The whole MLB just signed a new lucrative TV contract for just a portion of the playoff games. Like there are other revenues coming in and this is not permanent. No, There's and no you also have to, to think permanent that that the players were incredibly uh nice of the owners in taking a pay cut. For the 2020 season. They cut more than half their salaries. They didn't even need to. That's why I think the president of baseball operations hire for the Phillies is going to be the thing that either saves the franchise or dooms us. Um, A name that's been thrown around. I've seen a lot in the past couple days. Thad Levine from Minnesota. I think, I mean, obviously everyone's top 10 choices are Theo Epstein, but it's increasingly clear. You're Theo not, for life. you're not going to get him this off season. But now even late last night, John Heyman reported that that Levine's taken his name out. Yeah. He doesn't want to relocate during a pandemic. Well, it was, he wants to stick with his success in, in Minnesota. Oh my because God. guess who clearly doesn't have a plan. John Middleton. It I 
it sucks. Like after 2010 or 2011, 2012, like we knew the Phillies were going to be bad. And like we were, we were all waiting for the Bryce Harper, Manny Machado off season. We finally get the big ticket free agent. We trade for JT Real Muto. Aaron Nola comes around. We get Zach Wheeler, who has an amazing 2020 season. And then we boom comes up and he's good. Spencer Howard flash and he could potentially continue to grow. And now John Middleton shies away and is just ruining our optimism as a Phillies fan. It makes no sense to me. Um, I, it hurts. It really does. And it, it doesn't look like the Phillies are going to move, take a step forward, which I mean, I, there's nothing I, more this, to say about it than it's this just negativity now between the two of us is killing me. Let's let's, we talked a lot about the, the non-tender guys there. There is so many free agents. Just John, if you're listening, together, bud, get it together, buddy. Sack, you just have to sack up. Yes. There you gotta are. Sack up and do it. There are guys. We've told you guys the last couple weeks, go get some. Follow uh, now apparently the New York Mets who have never had a plan in their history of life. The New York Mets always find a way to mess it up. They have a plan now. Without fail, the New York Mets always find a way to suck. They have a plan and we don't. If the Mets can make a plan, we can make a plan. Let's get a president. Let's crush the winter meetings. Let's sign some non-tender guys. Let's sign one of those steals of the offseason. Let's Please. run it. That's, that's all that needs to happen. It's like, what we have, Bryce? Let's run it. Let's make a plan, and let's run it. The, honestly, like I, we were just so negative, but the reality is the Phillies are one or two pieces away from being a legitimate contender and a legitimate playoff team. The Phillies are one or two more bullpen arms, maybe another lefty bat, and bringing back JT from being legitimate. Yes, but, bring back the team. Yes. that's Don't make the mistake the Sixers made. Run it back. Run it back, always. So that has been – this has been another week of the Shoot and the Shift podcast. Um, hopefully, within the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to lift some more spirits going into the holidays. Um, Jeff, I see you with your, your little Philly Santa hat on. So, Oh yeah. Uh, this is as, Christmas. Winter meetings is Christmas. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of the shoot and the shift podcast. We will be back next week with another episode. Uh, Tuttles.